The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, Patriots, and welcome back to another episode of Occam's Razor. Hope you guys are having a lovely day. Looks like we are live out there on Rumble, on Foxhole, on Getter. Trying to get Odyssey working, but it doesn't appear to be. I don't know what's going on. If any of the mods out there, uh, if there's an issue on Odyssey, please let everybody know that we are live on the other platforms. We've got a lot of really good stuff today, guys. Major revelations coming out of Maricopa. More evidence that the people who took the jab really made the wrong decision. So much good stuff happening. And then later today, I've got a special episode of Red Pill News all about the ongoing Colorado recount and what's happening there with those electronic voting machines. So make sure you tune in later today as well. Good to see you, Mom. Good to see you. Red Pill fiancé. All right, guys. Without further ado, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and here's a special message from the sponsor of this program. We are going to begin today by discussing an impending Supreme Court decision. This is very, very good for election integrity, election security, because it outlines exactly who and what is legally able to make decisions based upon election law. One of the major problems that we had in the last couple of years is is that we had the evidence. We could show that there was election fraud, there was illegal actions taking place, and nobody wanted to hear it. Anytime someone brought a case to a lower court, uh, it was shot down almost immediately. Didn't matter if you were Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas. They said, no standing. You guys can't do anything. Don't even worry about it. Just go home and go to bed. But now with this uh, upcoming case, the Supreme Court is about ready to hear. uh, It's going to be arguments about the fact uh, of who can make these decisions about uh, elections. And as we know from the Constitution, it's only the legislatures of our states that have the right to update election law. During COVID, we had major problems with uh, laws being passed arbitrarily. With the U.S. Supreme Court set to hear Moore versus Harper this uh, upcoming, uh, looks like upcoming June. I'm sorry, they agreed in June to hear it, uh, but it's going to be related to the uh, independent state legislatures and their rights on what they can do regarding election laws. So actually, it's this Thursday that they're going to be hearing this. Uh, This is going to bolster election powers for the state legislatures. 
uh, taking on this case. This has been brought by North Carolina's Republican State House Speaker, and he's challenged their state Supreme Court's decision to dismiss the legislature's congressional maps. Uh, That would have given their party an advantage, uh, what they're saying, through partisan gerrymandering. Now, the North Carolina Supreme Court in February ruled that these legislature maps, which were uh, giving an advantage to Republicans um, in 11 safe districts compared to just three for the Democrats, they claimed at that time that they violated the state's constitution. That was in a four to three decision. And then in March, the U.S. High Court turned back efforts by those same Republicans to nullify new congressional maps that were approved by the state court for this year's midterm elections. Why is it that the court should have anything to say about it? Right now, this is going to be very bad news for the left if the Republican uh, leaning congressional maps get in, because we know that the only way Democrats can get a, 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 can get elected is through cheating uh, or through the gerrymandering of these districts. What they'll do is they will take a very strangely shaped district, but they will just completely load it up with Democrat voters. So you have very, very clearly blocked out Republican areas, and the Democrats will create these maps so that you have a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, and then they take up the entire swath of where the Democrats live, which is not a majority. They're spread all over the state. Now, of course, one of the people who have been behind efforts like this is none other than Hillary Clinton's private attack dog attorney, Mark Elias. He's the same one who got the drop boxes uh, uh, set up in a lot of these different states. But the important thing here is that only the legislature should have the ability to change laws related to elections. This is uh, something that has been uh, decided a long time ago, but apparently we need the Supreme Court to go ahead and rule on this. Now, in Pennsylvania, uh, it was recently ruled that absentee ballots were fine in the 2020 election. Uh, And the way that they were managed was against what the legislature had passed as law. Uh, That's a problem. We can't have anyone in any of these states deciding arbitrarily on what laws are going to be passed. This is clearly uh, a right that is in line in the Constitution and with established law that the state legislatures of no matter what state it is, they're the only ones who should be able to pass election law. We can't have anybody just coming in and saying, you know, this is what's going to happen and you guys are just going to have to deal with it. Unfortunately, all of these uh, uh, powers that were dedicated uh, to a a number of different entities throughout the entirety of COVID uh, usurped that and uh, was very, very bad for America. We saw that taking place. Obviously, in Pennsylvania, there were millions of ballots that were processed that never should have been processed. They were essentially illegal. Uh, And we talked about this a little bit over the weekend when uh, Richard Hopkins, who's also uh, uh, known as Alex, I guess that's his middle name, but Alex was saying, Uh, that there were so many ballots, millions of ballots that came in after the legal time. And simply because somebody voted doesn't mean that it should be allowed in. If they vote after the cutoff, after that threshold, then those ballots should not count. Uh, It makes it very easy for these Democrat attack dogs and for these uh, cabal usurpers in all of these states to bring in ballots at any time and say, hey, guess what? We're going to count these, and of course, that's going to be what gives the the win to a number of other people. Uh, let me see. Uh, you guys, yeah, if you did not get my uh, live stream last night, if you didn't catch the whistleblower roundup that we did, 
uh, then please go ahead and make sure that you catch it. We had uh, roughly two hours of incredible conversation uh, with a panel of about nine or ten whistleblowers. Uh, and uh, many of them had previously made disclosures through Project Veritas. Several of them, however, uh, had made disclosures through a, a number of other outlets and uh, another another venues. Um, but it was a great show. I had a really, really great time being able to hang out with them. Uh, and uh, it was certainly a show that I would suggest you guys go ahead and catch. Uh, do me a favor, guys. If you haven't yet, please make sure you hit that plus sign. Make sure you hit that like button. Help me out by sharing the program out there on your social media. I put a post out on Truth Social. If you could repost that, uh, maybe check out the post on Telegram. Free to share that as well. All right, so now that we have the established uh, upcoming Supreme Court hearing that's going to be held this week related to election integrity, let's take a look at what's happening in Maricopa County. Maricopa County was one such area where illegal mail-in ballots were allowed to be counted they came in after the deadline, but that didn't matter. Of course, they said, well, because COVID, we need to allow every single ballot to count. Also, many of those ballots were illegal for a number of other reasons. But we had records that were withheld in Maricopa County that were necessary to be examined when we had the forensic audit last year. Now, we have new information that's recently been revealed, and it appears that 19,000 mail-in ballots were illegally received after the deadline in Maricopa, which is 19,000 ballots that were, I'm certain, given to Joe Biden. Uh, this, in this information is coming out of a report by an organization named Verity Vote. Now, they put the report together through public election records that they were able to get uh, on roughly 20,000 ballots that were illegally counted. Of course, everybody knows in Arizona's presidential election, the election was decided on less than 10,500 votes. So these 19,000 ballots alone were enough to flip that election for Donald Trump. Donald Trump, in my opinion, and I think in many other people's opinions here, I'm not streaming on Rumble. Uh, many of them. No, I am streaming on Rumble. Um, yeah, I am definitely streaming on Rumble. I just checked. If you are not, <laughs> uh, refresh your screens. Okay, hold on. What is this? Oh my gosh, I'm live on the wrong channel on Red. <laughs> oh man, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Okay. Um, well, it's it's too late now. It's too late now. Uh, I'm on. Uh, apparently, I'm on the wrong channel on Rumble. I definitely selected the correct channel, but there's no way to uh, to update it right now. Oh man, I'll have to upload it to the regular Rumble channel at the end. Uh, that's very very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. Okay. Well, now that makes sense. Now I understand why there's uh, fewer people there than there normally would be. Um, yeah, so Rumble has a very strange way of doing it. You have like your account that you use to create the, the, the channels, and then you have the account that actually is the channel. And when you set up your stream, you have to, uh, specifically select which one you want to stream as. So Red Pill 78 News, uh, is the channel that I made to create Red Pill 78, uh, and apparently it didn't take when I selected the, uh, the, <laughs> the channel. So that's kind of a bummer. Anyways, no big deal. We're going to get back to the news and I'll make sure that this goes onto the regular rumble channel after this. What's that, honey? Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
Okay, so these records in Maricopa County are something that we've been trying to get our hands on for quite some time. Uh, there's been a number of open records requests, and uh, of course, the the people running the elections in Maricopa County, they understand what the implication of these records are. They understand that when people actually get a, a hold of them, when they take a look, they're going to notice that the threshold of the win for Joe Biden was far, far less than the number of illegal ballots that we had there in Maricopa County. These records requests were finally, finally honored, and uh, Vote Verity was able to put this together. Now, of course, the uh, Arizona's attorney general did not look at any of these things. Uh, Arizona's attorney general and, uh, of course, the other people in state government they weren't interested in ensuring that there was a free and fair election. They had one outcome in mind that they wanted to ensure took place, and that was the election of Joe Biden to the office of the president. So we've got now these uh, these totals here uh, that uh, we can take a look at, and it's quite obvious that Arizona went to Donald Trump. Uh, we had all of these spikes in the ballots. Uh, we had 58,500 ballots that came from the post office. And of course, we know that there are massive issues with the ballots coming from the post office. Plenty of ballots can be just injected into the system. Uh, you have essentially uh, the post office doing business with an outside contractor. Uh, they maintain the delivery and the housing of all of these ballots. There's no checks or balances on what happens there. And then in the process of that, they can go ahead and just insert as many ballots as they wanted. And that says nothing about all of the ballots that were trafficked through the drop boxes, uh, not only here in Arizona, but in a number of places as well. Uh, so they also discovered that Maricopa County failed to record uh, a number of ballots on 1,514 ballots out of 1,895 ballots in a chain of custody document. They also didn't get signatures on 48 of these documents. So what this means is 740,000 ballots are missing the proper chain of custody documentation. And again, if you can't prove who had the chain of custody, who was actually handling these ballots, then there's no way to prove the provenance of these ballots. There's no way to prove where they came from. There's no way to prove that you didn't inject additional illegal ballots into the system. Uh, the Dropbox scenario that we saw in Arizona, in Georgia, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, uh, certainly this was a massive aspect of the, uh, the theft of the 2020 election. And of course, the rhinos in Arizona don't want things to change. They want to ensure that this continues on, because as long as this continues on, it makes it possible for the uh, candidates that they want to get into office uh, to be able to get in there. Give me just one second. I'm trying to get the chat up here on the screen. So Maricopa County. OK, there's that. And then let me get the foxhole chat on there as well. There we go. All right, good stuff. Um, so yes, there are two different accounts that show up, and unfortunately, I'm not live on both of them. It's a really big bummer, and I'm hoping that maybe uh, I can get this sorted with Rumble, because this is not the first time it's happened. All right, so moving on, continuing on with Arizona. This is probably one of the most important stories to come out of the election fraud situation taking place in Arizona. I'm sure you guys remember uh, that it was reported several months ago last year sometime uh, that there was an unnamed individual 
who walked into this count room and had deleted election-related evidence. Now, this is a problem for a number of reasons. Number one, the election data is mandated both by the federal government and the state government to be held for a certain amount of time. I believe it's 22 and 24 months, depending on which one of those you're talking about. Over the weekend, uh, We the People Arizona Alliance hosted this election security forum in Maricopa County on Saturday, uh, and they had expert testimony from a number of different individuals. One of those people was Laura Logan. Another was Patrick Byrne. And of course, Carrie Lake was there as well. I believe tomorrow is the, uh, the, the primary there in Arizona. So very important day. If you live in Arizona, make sure you vote. Uh, if you have family and friends in Arizona, make sure that they vote. But at this election security forum, this is where Laura Logan presented the evidence of who actually committed that felonious act of deleting the election security info. Uh, the uh, the hearing featured testimony who on who was the individual to delete that information. Uh, and it turns out that this was somebody who was working there, of course. Uh, and uh, we also had election investigator Matt Van Bibber. Uh, share his discoveries on uh, who it was that was on that footage right there. Uh, now, Maricopa, of course, admitted that this file was deleted. They changed the language on it a little bit, however. They said, well, it wasn't deleting, it was archiving. Uh, and there's a big problem with uh, switching up the language on that. Archiving means that you are saving it and keeping it for future viewing, future use. Uh, but deleting means that you're actually removing it from the system. Now, uh, the individual who went in and deleted this election-related material is a man named Brian Ramirez. Now, what's even more shocking about Brian Ramirez and the deletion of this evidence is that he was not authorized to enter that server room. So on multiple occasions, he entered that server room without authorization, without the proper security clearance, uh, and on all of those occasions, he deleted this very, very important information. Now, how did Brian Ramirez gain access to this server room? Well, Brian was actually given the security cards with the electronic lock on their card to allow him to get into that room. Two different individuals. So Brian entered the room with somebody else's key card. He did not have access. He went in there, I would imagine, with the express uh, uh, mission of deleting those server logs in Maricopa County. So on this video footage, you can see Brian entering these rooms. Uh, he's wearing a mask, uh, and, uh, and he goes in, and he completely destroys the information. Here is an image of Brian inside that server room. He is actually at a terminal, and he's deleting the information right there in front of you. Now... We, who do we know is the people who gave him access to this room? Uh, well, Christy Passarelli, she is the uh, secretary and treasurer at the Maricopa County Elections Service. Uh, and then I believe, here we go. Let's go ahead and watch the video. So I, you want me to read this, uh, Matt? So what are we looking at here? Is these are some uh, logs or? Hold on. Yeah, I'm actually... Yeah, I'm actually so basically, so basically, we had, we had, we had we, back to Brian, and I don't know how many classes class class he has now. Class 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 but basically, we have Brian actually entering, entering the server, server room. Okay, there's some kind of weird echo there, so we're not going to watch it. But I am going to get to the point at which he enters the room. Here we go. 
So basically, Scott Jared These are just reasons. Scott Jared Then you see Christy Pasquale has access to the Which will be, be then you'll see Renee Suave. Who do we need to be the, the, the server, server logs? Well, I went back, back to... to. Okay. So for some reason, this is uh, giving me some kind of strange echo. So. Uh, you you guys get the picture here. He was given access from two different individuals with proper security clearance to go inside and delete this very important election-related material. Yes, uh, thank you very much, honey. Appreciate that. Now, the other aspect of the security of the Arizona election and in many of these other places uh, is the fact that these voting machines are connected to the Internet. They have the ability for people to log in and hack them. Uh, you have uh, connections that can be made wirelessly. You have connections that can be made through a jump drive, like a USB being plugged into it. And then, of course, you also have the ability for outside actors to hack in through the network connections that they have, whether it's wirelessly or if they are connected via a uh, an Ethernet cable. Now, <laughs> considering the fact that the Election Assistance Commission, considering the fact that the state governments of these uh, various states where we had a lot of problems with the elections, uh, considering the fact that they stated on so many different occasions, that this was the safest and securest election in the history of our nation, uh, you would imagine that they would have some type of method of backing that up. But it turns out that it's the exact opposite. Uh, it turns out that they were well aware ahead of time that these machines could be hacked and that it could be done in a very, very quick fashion. Now, we're finding this out because there is a complaint that's been, spile, that's been filed in U.S. District Court in Arizona uh, by Kerry Lake and Mark Fincham, both of whom are endorsed by President Donald Trump. Now, the complaint is a civil rights action for declaratory and injunctive relief to prohibit the use of electronic voting machines in the state of Arizona in the upcoming midterm elections. Uh, obviously, if we can get the election machines kicked out before we have the opportunity to get to the midterms, it's going to make it a lot more secure and a lot more safe. Now, they claimed uh, in their in their complaint that the machines have to be banned unless the vendors are willing to make them open to the public. Uh, I found out over the weekend, actually, that the code of these Domin Dominion machines is actually held in escrow by Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state in Arizona, who Mark Fincham is running against. Uh, and if these are machines that are taking on the actions of a government agency, uh, then they must be able to have oversight over them. We, the people, should be able to have oversight over them. Now, Halderman, Alex J. Halderman, I'm sure you guys have heard of him. Uh, he put together an election report in Michigan uh, that was sealed by federal judge Amy Totenberg. Uh, Halderman had at least been allowed to see some of the information contained in these uh, voting machines. Uh, and uh, he said the same thing, that the federal agencies and the people needed to be able to review what was happening inside of them. Uh, recently, we just had a report from CISA, uh, which was a security advisory uh, as part of their steps to mitigate uh, any type of election security questions. However, 
uh, in their own report, uh, they admit that things could happen with these voting machines. Uh, with the uh, the reports that are coming out, it makes it very, very obvious that the governments of our country, uh, whether it's the state or the federal government, they know that these machines have a lot of vulnerabilities, I- inherent vulnerabilities. So taking a look at this uh, testimony here uh, from a security professional, a hacking investigator, uh, they say right here, Did you ever have occasion to test or hack into Dominion voting systems? The answer is yes. And was that a number of times, repeatedly? Were you able to hack into the system? Yes, sir, I was. How long would it take you to do that? On average, five to ten minutes. And not only Dominion voting machines, but ES&D systems as well. Those were hacked into at the exact same time. ES&S. Those ones only took two and a half minutes to hack into, although it might take as long as five to 10 minutes. It doesn't matter what the vendor is. As long as these machines are connected to the internet, as long as they have the inferior systems and security protocols that they have right now, because I mean, they're all just running on windows, essentially. It makes it very simple for hackers to get in and to change election results. They can manipulate the data in any way that they want to. So this, once again, calls into question the results of the election from 2020 in every single state where electronic voting machines were used. When electronic voting machines are used, uh, and especially with the systems that they have currently, uh, it's quite obvious that there is nothing in, in the way of safe and secure elections There is no possible way that we're going to be able to trust any of the uh, results coming out of these elections, and we have to get the voting machines banned entirely. Uh, I'd also like to take you now. Hold on. What is this? Election security is the keystone. Thank you very much, Thick Ray. And then Slug Trail says Colorado failed the LNA test for Dominion machines adjudicated 60% of ballots. I'm going to be talking about that in Red Pill News later today. Uh, and then Thick Ray also says, one thing about Zach, you know how to make me laugh. Well, I, I hope I hope that I do. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that I'm able to give you a little bit of humor. Uh, and that's where I want to transfer to next with this next story. Um, I, you know, I, w- I, I had a conversation with some people on Truth Social uh, about a week ago, uh, kind of I don't know, hemming and hawing over whether or not the elites are getting the COVID vaccines. I think that the reason that they have gotten some type of vaccine is because they keep coming down with COVID. People who get COVID, their natural immune system kicks in and they don't get it over and over and over again. But it seems like the elites who have publicly stated that they got these uh, these shots, they continue to get COVID over and over and over again. And one of those people is Joe Biden. After getting quadruple vaxxed, after taking Paxlovid, uh, after getting COVID one time uh, about a week ago, he's now tested positive for COVID again. Now, what does that even mean? Uh, You know, I mean, I I think it's pretty clear that uh, this is a bioweapon, but at the heart of it, it's really no worse than the cold as long as you get proper treatment. But President Trump flamed Joe Biden uh, after he announced that he got COVID again. So Biden put this out on Twitter over the weekend. Folks, today I tested positive for COVID again. This happens with a small minority of folks. There's nothing small. There's no minority about it. 
it seems like every person who has publicly stated they got the vax or any number of the vaxes, they continue to get COVID. And there's even evidence to show that the people who take Paxlovid are also getting COVID a lot more often as well. Now, this time he says, I've got no symptoms, but I'm going to isolate for safety of everyone around me. I'm still at work and we'll be back on the road soon. What does that really mean when Joe Biden is at work? Uh, probably it means that he's sleeping on the couch or he's sitting at his desk scrolling on Twitter, uh, but certainly he's not doing any of the work. Other people are doing the work for him. Uh, and uh, as I said, it, it, there's nothing smaller minority about it. Uh, a new report has shown that up to 40% of patients that have been given Paxlovid come down with COVID again. I don't know what the method of Paxlovid is. I don't know how it's supposed to work, but it's not doing anything to stop people from getting sick. Uh, so let's take a look at what President Trump said. This was great. Uh, on Truth Social, Joe Biden's second bout of COVID, sometimes referred to as the China virus, was sadly misdiagnosed by his doctors. He instead has dementia, but is happily recovering well. Joe is thinking of moving part time to one of those beautiful Wisconsin nursing homes where almost 100% of the residents miraculously and for the first time in history had the strength and energy to vote, even if those votes were cast illegally. Get well soon, Joe. President Trump absolutely flaming Joe Biden, not only on the COVID diagnosis, but also the illegal voting that led to Joe Biden being in the office of the presidency. We're going to be right back after this. Surging electric bills are going to sting this summer, and rising prices are affecting all aspects of our daily lives. And this includes the resources that affect electricity costs. Residents in some cities are going to see their power bills double in price. New Hampshire residents, for example, can expect to see an increase of $71 per month. And residents in some cities, like New York, are just opting to not use their air conditioning altogether. But luckily, there is a device that the electricity companies don't want you to know about. Right here, this amazing 4-in-1 portable AC unit is a portable, easy-to-use mini air conditioner. I keep mine on every day. It sits right on my desk and blows chilly air into my room for hours. I'm saving a ton of my power with just the flick of a button. This air conditioning unit works as four devices in one. An air cooler, mist cooler, air purifier, and air humidifier. Anyone who wants to save on their power bill should have one in their room. And you can learn more by going to easysummercool.com. You're also going to save 50% off if you order yours today. And remember, when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Thank you very much, everybody who is out there finding me on the alternate channel. God, it totally threw me off my game with Rumble not working and then Odyssey not working either. I don't know what the heck is going on with that. Gary Flesner said something very interesting over on the Foxhole. Uh, he said, have you seen that Bill Barr is saying he wants to be the special counsel if they appoint one for Hunter Biden? Is he going to turn if he gets it? I have to be really honest. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a, a major conversation out there about whether or not Bill Barr can be trusted. And it kind of feels like half the people think Bill Barr is absolutely 100% on board with President Trump, with America, uh, with solving the issues that we dedicate our, our lives to every single day. But then there's a lot of people out there who think that Bill Barr has completely turned against President Trump. You know, for me, I, I think about it like this. You know, if if we are watching some type of, of, of scripted scenario, OK, where all of the players are acting out 
a role that they have. Um, you know, I mean, they're not only performing for us, but they're performing for the deep state and they're performing for each other. You know, President Trump and a number of these individuals that were in his administration, they, they seem to have had like public spats. But then at the end of the day, behind the scenes and perhaps even publicly, they come out and it seems like they're completely fine with each other. Um, you know, I heard the other day that President Trump and Mike Pence are still speaking on a regular basis. And that sounds kind of strange to me. You know, if Mike Pence is, uh, you know, against Donald Trump, if he's working to ensure that he doesn't come back to the office of the president, uh, then why would Donald Trump want to waste his time speaking with him? Now, Bill Barr, uh, President Trump, has come out against uh, pretty handily. Let me say this. If Bill Barr becomes special counsel and he ends up sweeping Hunter Biden under the rug. I think we'll have our answer that we'll know that Bill Barr was not a whitehead. He's not a good guy. But what if Bill Barr has been playing a role this entire time and he's been acting as if he is against President Trump so that he will be given the opportunity to take on the role of something like a special counsel? Uh, and then once he does, he can nail Hunter Biden to the wall. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those things that we have to wait and see and, uh, and, and you know, kind of watch it play out. I certainly hope that Bill Barr would do the right thing, that he would uh, take Hunter Biden and prosecute the Biden crime family to the fullest extent of the law. Um, but that's nothing that we're really going to know until it actually gets to that point. All right. Now, the next story, you guys, this is extremely serious. And I think it's something that we, we have to pay attention to. Now, I, I mentioned this last week, uh, that uh, this assault weapons ban, as the Democrats call it, ha has been rushed through Congress, rushed through the House anyways. It's still got to go through the Senate. Um, we are not out of the woods on this because they have attempted to pass assault weapons style bans in the past. Uh, and generally speaking, they're unable to get it through. The, they just don't have the votes. But this time, we had a couple of re Republican turncoats that would be Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania and Chris Jacobs of New York. They voted with the Democrats on this. So it's it's basically on them. Now, even if they hadn't voted, it would have been 216 to 215. Man, that is a tight margin right there. But they voted in favor of this. Uh, now, this is flying in the face of decisions that the Supreme Court has already made. Um, they're trying to do everything they can to take guns from the hands of freedom-loving American citizens. They are trying to stomp all over our civil liberties, stomp all over our ability to defend ourselves. Let me see. What if Trump told Barr, I'll relieve you of your past sins if you play a part? Well, that, that could be. That could absolutely be. And yes, KRA trust Barr. Absolutely. Uh, but even in light of us being told to trust Barr, you know, there are still a lot of people out there uh, who who do not trust him at all. You know, for me, uh, it, it's all going to come down to what the final result is. Uh, you can believe whatever you want to believe. Uh, and Bill Barr doesn't care what we think about him. Bill Barr, I think, is absolutely above the conversation that people out here in the regular world are having. Uh, Bill Barr doesn't care what we think of him one way or the other. So there's a lot of talk about whether or not this is going to pass in the Senate. And, you know, I think a lot of people believe that it won't. 
But there is a possibility that it could. Now, there is the filibuster that has to be overcome uh, if they're going to successfully bring it to vote. They need 10 Republican senators if they uh, hope to overcome that filibuster. So this is where where you come in, because if this bill passes, it makes it a crime to sell, manufacture, transfer or possess a semi-automatic weapon or a large capacity ammunition feeding device. Now, what is a large capacity ammunition feeding device? That's any magazine over 10 rounds. Uh, And in order for it to hold more than 10 rounds, it has to have a fixed magazine. It has to be attached to the gun. But a semi-automatic assault weapon, so that's going to be all of your AR-15 style weapons, whether it's a rifle or an SBR or a pistol style you're not going to be able to to keep or, uh, or or maintain any of those, and you certainly can't sell them. Now, in the bill, they say that they will allow you to hold on to those, uh, but for how long? How long will they uh, will will they go before they turn around and say, "Guess what? Now you got to give us everything," you know? And you know, I've got like a, a, a rifle that I've been waiting on that's in the NFA process. Uh, so, you know, am I going to be able to get that if they pass this? But in order for this not to pass, in order for these 10 Republican senators to not go with the Democrats on this, we have to make sure that we call every single one of them. They need to know that the Second Amendment shall not be infringed. Our right to bear arms shall not be infringed. It shall not be taken away because this is going to be the death knell for freedom here in the United States of America. The only thing standing between us and tyranny is those weapons. We have to be able to protect ourselves, our families, and that's from the average thug on the street, and it's also from the overreach of the power of the federal government. It's, yeah, dehexed. It's pretty much everything out there on the market. Think about how many American weapons manufacturers are just going to go out of business, how many jobs this is going to kill. You know, the economy is already in a bad enough state already. Uh, and if we take American weapons manufacturing out of it, then, you know, that that's it. Uh, think about how quickly it's going to be also before they start going after semi-automatic hand, handguns. Uh, I, I think that Joe Biden made some comment before that, uh, you know, only people should be able to have revolvers and like, you know, single shot musket rifles. Um, but this is something that I am definitely paying attention to. Because it wasn't supposed to even be pushed through until next session, but they clearly believe that they're going to lose power, and so they had to rush it through as quickly as possible. But if we can all give our senators a call and let them know that they cannot vote with the Democrats on this in the Senate, uh, we cannot allow for our our, uh, AR-15s and semi-automatic rifles to be taken from us, because if we do— Uh, then America is going to be in a much worse position. Now, the only silver lining that I can see on that, if this does pass through both the House and the Senate, it's undoubtedly going to be taken up with the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Gun owners of America, who I am a member of, uh, they have done far more for Second Amendment rights in America than any other uh, gun lobby uh, that I can see. I've done a lot of research on them. Uh, That's why I I joined them and not the NRA. I feel like the NRA is totally compromised at this point. They're not standing up for our Second Amendment rights, but gun owners of America are. Anytime you see 
uh, a, a lawsuit that is addressing Second Amendment rights, almost always you'll see that GOA is uh, the people who brought that le- that lawsuit. All right, so we're going to flip it back to election uh, security and potential election fraud right now. Uh, because we've got new evidence coming out of the recent election in Virginia. Uh, so a group of concerned citizens provided the information on this potential election fraud to officials in in Virginia in June. Now, they're still waiting for a response. Now, this is, again, an excellent opportunity for people in Virginia to start putting the pressure on turning those thumbscrews on the state government there and the officials who are actually taking a look at this election integrity issue. Now, take us back to that night on uh, on November 4th, 2020. Uh, Joe Biden was crowned the winner uh, of the election with fewer votes than Donald Trump. They had him right there at the top of the list. Uh, this was a, a shocker for me, and I think for a lot of other people, while we were watching these election results roll in, uh, Joe Jorgensen had 33,000 votes. They showed Donald Trump with over a million votes, almost 60% of the, the popular vote. Donald, uh, excuse me, uh, Joe Biden with less than 40% and 736,000 votes. Uh, there were, again, ballot dumps that took place in Virginia. Uh, something like over 300,000 ballots were recorded and uh, and pumped into Joe Biden's totals. Now, this is not the only state that this happened. Uh, but, uh, this is a state certainly where we may be able to do something about it. Uh, the people in Virginia that have been investigating the 2020 election, uh, are working here with a group of concerned citizens, uh, that have been out canvassing and, uh, attempting to get a, a handle on the people that are in the community. Uh, and canvassing is an excellent, excellent manner that you can determine whether or not the vote count is uh, is correct. I mean, we saw it in Arizona. When the people in Arizona went out and canvassed, it was quite clear that there were phantom voters, there were people getting multiple ballots for multiple names at empty houses. Uh, this is probably where the Democrat operatives working in the post office were going to, to pick them up. And here in, uh, in, in Virginia, we have this letter that was delivered to Governor Glenn Youngkin, remember, he is a Republican, also Attorney General Jason Miaris, and then Commissioner Susan Beals at the Department of Elections. So uh, why has Glenn Youngkin and these other Republicans not done anything about this? Uh, perhaps they think they can get away with it. Perhaps they think that uh, it, it's above them. They don't need to uh, participate in this investigation. Perhaps they think that there aren't enough people out there who care about election security and who are more than willing to just accept the results that we have been told were legitimate on election night. I think that, again, this is an opportunity for the people of Virginia to stand up, make their voices heard, and get out there and say something. So, in this, uh, this information here, uh, they say that uh, seven weeks ago in Richmond, on June 6th, there was a 90-minute briefing on election irregularities that was given to the Senior Assistant Attorney General, uh, Joshua Leaf, and also the Commissioner of Elections, Susan Beals. Our team was composed of the Chief Legal Officer for the America Project, the Director of Virginians for America First, and four citizen investigators that have been doing a lot of research and discovery on Virginia election irregularities going back to November of 2020. They handed over a 125-page document, which contained a briefing, background, evidentiary information, and reference materials, 
it was an undeniable pattern of irregularities that demanded an investigation. And yet here we are, after numerous attempts to follow up on the information that was handed over, uh, the state government there has had absolutely no response. Uh, And as you all know, that 22-month preservation period from the 2020 election is coming up on September 3rd. Uh, We need to ensure that not only in Virginia, but in every state, all of this election data is preserved in some form or another. Uh, This is another opportunity for you guys to get out there and do something that has an effect on ensuring the security of our elections. Uh, We can file our own our records requests. We can file our, our own FOIAs. We can demand that this information is held on to. Uh, if this information is allowed to be deleted, then the results of the 2020 election are going to be sealed in stone for all eternity. <clears throat> and we're not going to be able to do or say anything about it. So what did the canvassing reveal in uh, Virginia in 2020? Well, they demonstrated a 31% registration error rate and a 7% votes cast error rate. Uh, The 2021 canvas demonstrated a 5.7 absentee ballot error rate. Now, all of those together equates to 68,000 votes. Of course, that is greater than the margin of victory for Governor Glenn Youngkin. So perhaps that's why Glenn Youngkin is not uh, willing to address this information. Uh, We also, of course, had certification of these votes uh, that never should have happened. Uh, In September, this is one day before early voting began of 2020, the State Board of Elections certified a group called DemTech ePollTab. It was an electronic poll book uh, 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 outfit uh, that had ignored the testing laboratory's data and technical patches. and technical packages, uh, which showed that uh, the wide use of these poll books uh, was going to be insecure for the state of Virginia. Uh, There's also issues with the state data and records. There are discrepancies in the voter rolls, as there are in just about every single state throughout America. We have the registered voter list, the voter history list, and the daily absentee list. They cannot attribute 2020 absentee voters back to their home precincts. They can't identify these people There's no way to prove that they are legitimate. Uh, This should have been a a very easy manner by which they could test to ensure that the voters that were uh, registered uh, are going to match up with the votes that were cast. Uh, In the uh, election in 2020, uh, we had a report from Judicial Watch stating that Virginia had 24 counties with 100% and higher voter registration rates. There is no such thing as higher than 100%. If you have greater than 100% voter rolls, then every single one of those people over 100% are guaranteed to be fictitious voters. These are illegal votes. There is a statewide average in Virginia of 95.6% people being registered to vote in their county. Nationwide, the average is 67%. I think it's been said often that roughly two-thirds of the country that is eligible to vote actually votes. Now, this is, again, a very easy test by which you can say that the voter rolls in Virginia are more than likely fictitious. They are illegal because those people that are registered to vote don't actually live there. They don't actually exist. Quite often, you're going to have individuals being registered in one name, and then the same individual will be registered in another name. This is another thing that was proven with the forensic audit in Maricopa County 
You had people with their initials and their last name, their first, middle, and last name, people with just their middle name, their first name with just their middle initial, and all of these people being allowed to be registered under a variety of different names allows an individual to cast more than one ballot. And I don't have to tell you that every single one of those illegal ballots is going to disenfranchise a legal ballot, somebody who uh, really wants their vote to count. We also had a number of suspicious, unexplained activities. Over 900,000 voters statewide who were codified in the database as active voters. The only problem is they hadn't voted in more than five years, and they hadn't voted in two federal elections. Uh, This indicates that 64,000 ballots, more than the voters who were eligible to vote, were cast in the 2020 election. All of these things together point to overwhelming fraud and massive irregularities in the voter rolls and the system in Virginia. Any one of them on their own should be enough to raise concern, to raise an investigation, and to get the state government there in Georgia to actually do something about it. But when you put all of them together, the totality of every single one of these irregularities that you see in Virginia— Uh, It is quite obvious that there is massive fraud that is taking place, and it doesn't matter that they are Republicans in state government. They are benefiting from it in the same way that Democrats are benefiting in other states. Rumble Pilgrim, uh, I leave Florida here in a couple of days, and once I leave, I'm still going to be making videos. Uh, It's just going to be a slightly different format. So... Uh, We need to bring attention to this investigation in Virginia. We need Virginia to actually take a look at what's happened there. And the only way it's going to happen is if the people of Virginia are willing to make uh, a big stink about it. All right. So I spoke about this a little bit over the weekend as well. Uh, Biden just announced that the U.S. Postal Service is going to be creating a division devoted entirely to the delivery and return of ballots in U.S. elections. This is one step closer to the federal government taking over as much control of our elections as they possibly can. Uh, Again, the checks and balances are the problem here. How can we ensure that the illegal ballots are not going to be injected into the system? How can we ensure that the federal government is going to deliver free and fair elections when every single clue we've had up until this point uh, tells us with fairly good certainty that we're going to have another illegal stolen election coming up here in the midterms. I would beg every single one of you to ensure that you're voting in person on election day. Paxlovid is an HIV medicine. Paxlovid is an HIV medicine. Is that correct? I have never heard that before. It's absolutely insane. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's pretty interesting. Paxlovid is an HIV medicine. Uh, you know th- why that's even more interesting is because it, it, it appears that COVID-19 was was a genetically engineered virus using aspects of HIV. Uh, so I wonder if that's why they thought that Paxlovid was going to work on COVID. Very, very strange. All right. So uh, th- the main takeaway here is that uh, I don't think that the the United States Postal Service should be anywhere near elections in any fashion. And uh, of course, they want to use the Postal Service because they have such a, a heavy Democrat presence there. They're a government agency, okay? They, they should be absolutely 
abstaining from making any decisions in terms of political parties or in terms of who they support. Uh, and the individuals who work at the post office, of course, they should not be putting their thumb on the scale in any fashion. But unfortunately, based upon the world we live in, we know that that is not a um, a very realistic plot to take. Uh, they have unions that run the post office and the Democrats run the unions. So if the U.S. Postal Service is able to take control of the the, the election system here in America, uh, then it's only one step away from the federal government taking total control and uh, putting this into action. All right. Now, this is a very, very good bit of news in terms of the monopolization of tech companies here in America. Based upon their size, based upon the amount of money that they are able to control, based upon the number of candidates uh, that they're able to control using that money, uh, so far we've really seen no positive forward movement in terms of bringing either Google or Twitter or Facebook, any of these major tech companies to task uh, for the efforts that they have uh, put in place to ensure that people only use their platforms. Thank God we've got anybody here on Rumble right now. Thank God we've got places like the Foxhole and Odyssey and Getter uh, who can be watching uh, through what we would you know, consider to be free speech platforms. But if you use Google as a search engine uh, and you're looking for any kind of videos, then you may have noticed that the only videos they serve up are the ones from their own platform. Now, I know I've heard that Facebook has their own video platform. I've never seen Facebook videos anywhere in the Google video search results, uh, and uh, I've never seen any videos from Rumble in those search results. If you go and take a look, do, do a, a test right now. Go to Google, search, you know, President Trump's speech video, and then you're going to go and you're going to find only uh, search results that are coming from Google. And even then, it's not going to be just a, a straight speech of President Trump. It's going to be a commentary from some left wing talking head discussing how they hate President Trump. Well, you may, may or may not know this, but uh, from when I was deleted on YouTube back in October of 2020, myself and a whole bunch of other people we still have an ongoing lawsuit that's taking place against Google and YouTube for the deletion of our accounts uh, and for the loss of all of our data. Well, there is now a lawsuit from Rumble against Google for the very issue that I was discussing, the fact that Google has uh, non-competition practices that they engage in. Uh, this is an antitrust lawsuit. Uh, and I think it's about damn time that we finally saw something like this happen. Now, I don't know if this lawsuit will have any bearing on the other lawsuit that we have. But I can tell you this. Uh, this could be a good move for uh, furthering competition here in America. It's quite clear that with Google's algorithm, they want to keep people within their own ecosystem. Um, and the surprising part about this lawsuit is that Rumble brought this lawsuit in federal district court in California. Now, Google had attempted to have this case dismissed out of hand. Uh, they wanted to have uh, any allegations against them thrown out of court immediately. Uh, but the judge that is overseeing the trial actually allowed it to go through. Let's take a look at some numbers. Since YouTube was purchased by Google in 2006 uh, for $1.65 billion dollars, They've really had no other competitors on the market. However, Rumble, since coming onto the uh, the platform here, uh, they have 
really exploded in their user growth. Many people who were deleted from YouTube immediately moved over to Rumble. A lot of people who didn't want to support YouTube and Google any longer came over here. We're talking tens of millions of users that otherwise never would have set foot on Rumble in the first place. Rumble truly is a free speech platform. Foxhole truly is a free speech platform. Now, the uh, claims that Rumble is making is that Google is using their position in the market to strangle out any competition such as Rumble. And they're bringing this case under the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890, which makes it illegal, unlawful, to monopolize or attempt to monopolize any part of the trade or commerce among the several states or with foreign nations. So by the very fact that Google only serves up search results for their own videos, it ensures that many people who otherwise may not know about Rumble or who don't understand that there are other uh, platforms out there that you can put videos on, such as Foxhole and Odyssey, uh, they will never find it because they're just going to be lazy and they're going to go through whatever Google tells them. Now, Rumble has been around since 2013. I know a lot of people were worried about the fact that they were based in Canada, that perhaps we might get shut down for speaking freely, but they moved offices down here to Florida, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. <clears throat> With the explosive growth in 2020 because of Google deleting all of us from YouTube, Rumble has really come onto the scene as a major player. And the only thing that's stopping them from taking a larger foothold in the market is the non-competitive practices of places like Google. So this is another one we're going to have to wait and see how it pans out. But as a result of this lawsuit proceeding, Rumble is going to be able to compel Google to produce documentation, emails, uh, discovery on exactly what their practices are and how they decide what they're going to serve up in their search algorithm. I think this is extremely, extremely good news, and I'm pretty excited to see how it pans out. I think that Google and YouTube deserve to get taken down a peg. I think that their control of the market is designed to control the thoughts and the beliefs of the American people. Uh, and places like Rumble and Foxhole and Odyssey, they are, are really giving them a run for their money. So uh, thank you very much, everybody, for being here. Uh, let me see. Rumble unsubscribed me from this show. Well, Orange Man Gator Bait. Um, I am now live on an alternate channel, so you may not have been unsubscribed from my regular channel. Rumble kind of has a, a weird setup on the back, and uh, this is like the second time that I've accidentally went live on the wrong channel. Uh, let me go through the thank yous over there on Foxhole. Uh, Kalupi, thank you for the cookie. Thick Ray, thank you again. Slug Trail, thank you again. Thick Ray, thank you again. Electric Soul, appreciate that. Lou V says, criminals don't obey laws. They will have any fun they want. All the more reason that we need to ensure that our Second Amendment is not infringed. Off the Leash says, it'll never happen. Why use him? It'll never happen. Why use him? Are you talking about Bill Barr? Uh, let's see. Off the Leash, not going to happen. Lou V says, it almost seems we are being disarmed to make foreign takeover easier. Shake my head. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we're talking about a global criminal cabal that is working behind the scenes, and they're using a variety of different governments. China, their stated goal is to come in, take over America, use the land for farmland, and to turn the American people into subservient, indentured servants, slaves, if you will. If they're able to take our guns, then yeah, obviously, any foreign nation could just walk in. 
I don't know if you guys saw this. I, I meant to actually play it on the show last week. There was some video that came out showing Mexican cartel members that were literally kitted out like the Mexican military. They were fitted out better than the Mexican military. They had uh, fatigues on. They had, uh, you know, bulletproof helmets. They had bulletproof vests, flak jackets. They had uh, really powerful automatic weapons. Uh, They had uh, armored vehicles. It was insane. If the Mexican cartel thought that they could come in and take over America, I think they just might. Warrior Mima says, thank you, Zach, for your outstanding reporting. Inside Gino, appreciate that. Full Metal Alchemist says, remember Maiden Gate. Yes, I do remember Maiden Gate. Absolutely. Uh, Boise Blanc 89, thank you for that. And then Rise Attire, love you, Red Pill. God bless everyone here. Hold the line, Patriots. All right, thank you very much for that. Appreciate everybody being here. Let me go ahead and pass out these gold pills, and I'll be back with a special report on what's happening in Colorado a little bit later today. Scratching has been released. All right, with that, Thank you very much for being here and good luck and God bless.